0: when we were gathered at the back for prayer and veronica read some scriptures and i can't remember exactly what scripture it was veronica was it in deuteronomy the first one maybe you can give it to me and i could read it deuteronomy 31, what verses again? 8 through 9. Eight through nine. Okay, be strong, Let's down to verse 9, okay. Be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, he it is who doth go with thee, he will not fail you nor forsake you. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and be of good courage, for you must go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it in the Lord. He it is who doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will fail thee, not fail you, neither forsake you, fear not, neither be dismayed. And Moses wrote this law, delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and unto all the elders of Israel. And I'm reminded of him going before, <clears throat> and what came to mind as Veronica was reading that was what Paul writes in First Thessalonians chapter 4 as a display of the greatness of his love. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with archangel's voice and trumpet of God. He loves us so much. He himself is coming. And those that have departed to be with him now, they're waiting until that day when they hear his voice. And they that have heard shall live. But the Lord himself is coming. Last week... I was not really, maybe I just wasn't with it in my mind. I didn't, it didn't really register with me that I might have to be filling in for sin. But the message that I was given last week <clears throat> was on the church at Laodicea. And we begin to see, as you look at the letters to the seven churches, that there are those in each church that overcome, therefore there must be something that they need to overcome. There's a condition in the church that needs to be corrected or is prevalent and it continues unabated. And we may be living within that type of a church and we as individuals need to overcome. And in the church at Laodicea, what they had to overcome was this lukewarm condition. You see, there were those in the church there that thought they were rich and they had need of nothing. But they didn't realize that they were poor, naked, blind. They didn't realize it. And we can be sitting in the midst of something like that and we don't realize our condition. And the Lord's letter to them is to the overcomer. You need to overcome that lukewarm condition. The amazing thing is that those that do, God gives them a special privilege to look forward to, a promise that they can look forward to. And as you begin to look at the letters to the seven churches, you find out that the promises that God gives those that are able to overcome the condition that they're in all have to do with a future time. Not in the time in which we live, but in a future time which refers to the reign of Jesus Christ on earth. And there's promises that we are going to be able to have the privilege of entering into in that day. And for the Laodicean church, Jesus promises them that you're going to sit with me on my throne. Even as I have overcome and sat with my father on his throne. Imagine the privilege that we can have in that day to sit with Jesus on his throne when he rules the world in righteousness. So that being the case, last Sunday that was the message and then realizing that I would need to help fill in for Sim over this next while and we pray to God that he'll recover fully. Then it became obvious to me, let's have a look at the letters to the seven churches. So what we're going to do is we're going to work our way backwards. We started at the last church, which I think is quite obvious. It's the day in which we're living. We're going to move backwards now today and have a look at the church at at, uh, Philadelphia, which is Revelation chapter 3. We know your deeds. See? I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut for you have a little power and have kept my word and have not renounced or denied my name. Take note, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not but lie, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know without any doubt that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my endurance, my command to persevere, I will keep you safe from the hour of trial, that hour which is about to come on the whole inhabited world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold tight what you have so that no one will take your crown by leading you to renounce the faith. He who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God he will most certainly never be put out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which descends out of heaven from my God, and my, new own, my own new name. He who has an ear, let him heed what the Spirit says to the churches. When John begins writing the book of Revelation in chapter 1, he writes this, he was given instructions by the angel. Write the things which you have seen. And the things which are. And the things which will take place after this. Some may think that these letters then to the churches. Were for the day in which they were present. In present day Turkey. But as instructions in the book of Revelation is for the churches to know what things are going to take place after this. And we're living in the days of the after this. And in fact, the church age, it appears, may be coming to a close very soon. It is important, therefore, those of us that are in the church be able to recognize what the condition of the church may be. And in every instance of every letter to the churches, it ends with, let him that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Plural. Therefore, if, as we go through these letters to the churches, there'll be something that we can gain from each of them. We need to read the message to all of the churches, not just to one. One. And hopefully we'll be able to gain some insight into the conditions of the church so that we ourselves can be overcomers in the present-day church. So we're going to go back again, beginning from verse 7, to the angel or the divine messenger to the, of the church in Philadelphia, right? <clears throat> These are the words of the Holy One. And this word holy here, as is the case with us, is that it really refers to set apart ones. So God has made us holy. He has set us apart for certain ministries. And when when I think of that, I have been very, very encouraged the last couple of weeks in particular. And, And I think, and I mentioned this to Sim this week, I am sensing the way in which God is beginning to knit this family together in a way that it hasn't been. Just because of Sim's illness. But he set each of us apart. He's given us a ministry. And now these ministries are coming to light. Someone approached me last week with a suggestion. And I have to speak to them afterwards and they'll know who it is. A very good suggestion. And I said, I hadn't thought of that. But that's a good suggestion. But as I thought of it this week, it took me back in my mind to times when my wife would say to me, well, why didn't you do this, or why didn't you do that, or why didn't you pray with people before they left tonight? I'd say to her, hmm, you know, that never crossed my mind. It just slipped my mind. It wasn't that it wasn't a good thing to do. But I said, then the Holy Spirit put that on your heart. You're the one that needs to follow through with that. So don't start passing it off onto somebody else. When God lays something on your heart that you know that he has given you that needs to be shared with someone, as Sadie spoke about this morning, he has been moving you to minister to someone else. And as a result, the body will be built up. But here we have Jesus, the one who is the holy one, He's been set apart by God, the true one. He is the only true one whose title is truth. And he wants the church here to recognize the fact of his supremacy. He is the, I am the way, the truth, the life. It is personified in Jesus. He says, I want you to know that. I am the one who has the key to the house of David, who opens, and no one will be able to shut, and who shuts, and no one opens. So what is this door? Here's a thought. Jesus has opened a door for the Jews at that time that they would minister to the Gentiles. They would preach the message of Jesus crucified, of his death, burial, and resurrection. He had opened a door. And when Paul was on his, on his journeys, there was a time in which he traveled, I calculated at one time, I think around 1,300, 1,500 miles, when the Holy Spirit, every place he went to preach, the Holy Spirit forbade him to preach. But the door had been opened. And then Paul, in one account, says, there was a door open to us. And he began to go out and to minister because the Holy Spirit was leading him in that direction. And in fact, God spoke to him in a dream. Dreams may be important. God will lay something on your heart and he's opening up a door for you no matter how small or how insignificant you think you might be. To work in the kingdom in the days ahead of us. But he opens a door, and when he opens that door, no one can shut it. No one. He has all power to open those doors for the proclamation of the gospel. And no one can shut it. We may be up against opposition, and it may increase. But no one's going to be able to shut that door Even Hades' gates shall not prevail against the church. We can be living in the reality of these things in our day. And we will witness these things. And when he shuts the door, nobody can open it. We're very secure if we're standing behind that door. He will protect us. He will close the door. There'll be no entrance, there'll be no way that the evil one can have any control or power because what we have is the Word of God and that's what we proclaim. And then he says to them, I know your deeds. He's the one that searches the hearts. Allow God to search your heart, allow God to expose the things in your heart that may need to be changed. He wants to have a communication with you. He wants to hear from you. When's the last time you spoke to him as your father, one that loves you? It thrills his heart when we do that. And he knows everything about us. He knows the good. He knows the bad. He knows our failures. He knows our successes. And he continues to love us. See? I have set before you an open door, which no one can shut. We need to have that kind of boldness, knowing that we can go forward, that the door has been opened by God, to be able to speak to people. Let us not be afraid of that. We don't need to apologize for anything. Speak the word. And he says, because, this is true, because you have a little power, May we never get to the point where we think we've got it all. May we never get to the point where we're puffed up with pride to think I have all the answers. He reminds the church here, you have a little power. Number one, you've kept my word. How important that is today when the word is being bombarded With all other types of teaching to discredit the word of God. And he says to them there, you have kept my word. May we constantly be in the scriptures to know what his word is. In order that we might keep his word. And you have not renounced or denied my name. Talk to Peter about that one. And what he did... And when he realized, he went out and he wept bitterly. It is so easy when we're faced with opposition to back off, to deny his name, to not have the boldness. I think it was Peter and John in the beginning of Acts when they were put in jail. And they were told not to speak in his name anymore. And they went first of all to a prayer meeting. And they prayed that God would give them boldness to speak. This ought to be the heart of the church. When one is suffering here, let's get together and pray. There's power in prayer. We need it. We need each other. But he commends them that you have not renounced or denied my name. Take note. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet. Make them know without any doubt that I have loved you. For those of you that study scriptures, in fact, I was asked by someone a number of months ago, they're no longer here, but he was... He asked me this day, he says, Well, Dave, what are your favorite books, your favorite authors, your favorite commentaries? Oh, I said, The best commentary of God. It's next to my chair. It's the Bible. The Bible's the best interpreter of the Bible. So, who are these of the synagogue of, of Satan who say that they are Jews or not? This is what Paul says in Romans 2. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Neither that circumcision which was outward in flesh. But he is a Jew who is so inwardly and circumcision of the heart in spirit not in letter whose praise is not of men but of God. There are those who go by outward appearance. Everything may appear fine and claiming to be something that they are not. So the Jew naturally could pride himself in his genealogy. But a real Jew, Paul says, who was a Jew, says is one who is so inwardly. And here we have in the church at Philadelphia, those that are present in the church, that are of the synagogue of Satan, these are not outside people. These are present because we have to overcome this condition. What is the condition then of those who say that they are Jews and are not? Acts 15 was the time that the disciples got together for what has been called the council at Jerusalem. The first council. I'm just picking out a few verses because it would take too long to read them all. But this is what happened. Paul and Barnabas had been out preaching. The Gentiles had come to salvation. And as a result, there were those that disagreed with how things should be done and what qualified Gentiles to come to salvation. And here's what is written. Certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you can't be saved. can't be saved unless you keep the law of Moses. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Skipping down a bit to verse 5, some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted... The Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. These are ones that were outwardly Jews. But Paul says a true Jew is one who is one inside, circumcision of the heart, not of the flesh. And here we have those that were Pharisees insisting that you had to follow this this was a great controversy in the early church so what are they going to do about this they wrote this letter by them this was the final letter that was put together after they had had a discussion about this and in fact in that section peter talks about well you know we can't put a burden on the gentiles that Neither we nor our fathers were able to keep. We failed in the laws. We couldn't keep it. Why would we burden the Gentiles with this? So this is what they replied. They wrote this letter by them. The apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles, in Antioch, Syria, Cilicia, greetings. It seemed good to us. Being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report these same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. This became evident as they had their conversation. And they went over the Old Testament scriptures and they began to see That something had changed in the way in which God was dealing with sin. And that now we have a risen Savior to proclaim one who saves people from their sins. As they discussed it, they had confirmation even from the Holy Spirit, this is the right thing to do. They knew in their hearts, this is what we need to do. To lay upon you no greater burden than these things. That you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these, thing, these, you will do well. Why do I say this? Why do I go into this? The reason is that this is what happened in the early church. The Judaizers tried to get in to contaminate and to degrade the work of Jesus Christ. You have to go back to the law. You have to go back to circumcision. You have to do all of these things. And Paul was very firm on this and said, no, stop. This is not right. But the Judaizers got in. And they're still here today. You realize that? This is those that say that they are Jews but are not so inwardly. Their hearts haven't been changed. They've never been saved but they're living within the church and they would like you to come back and live under a law that says this is how you have to act as a Christian. Grace is no longer in the picture but we live by grace. We live by faith. this then is what the people living in this church had to overcome living in the midst of those that are saying you have to keep the laws and i grew up in a in a church that i mean the laws became so many and some of them were absolutely ridiculous some of you know what that's about i've got to dress a certain way I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do the next thing. It's not the Christian life. And if we're living in a, in a church that's like that, we have to overcome. And that's why he wrote this letter, why Jesus wrote this letter to them at Philadelphia. But he says, because you have kept the word of my endurance, my command to persevere, I will keep you safe. From the hour of trial, that hour which is about to come on the whole inhabited world to test those that live on the earth. Those of you that uh, have a lexical aid or a dictionary of Greek words, this is one of them, Vincent's Word Studies. I want to point you out this because I will deliver you from and we can get the idea that we're actually taken out of that circumstance. But these are just two that I'm going to refer to, and there are numerous ones that all agree that this is the case. So the preposition implies not a keeping from temptation, but a keeping in temptation, as a result of which they shall be delivered out of its power. We are not exempt from trials, we're not exempt from tribulation, But the Lord himself will go through it with us and help us to overcome that situation. Jameson Fawcett Brown says this in Greek, So as to deliver thee out of, not to exempt from, temptation. What a promise God is giving us if we're going to have to go through very difficult times. And we're thinking, how come I'm here? Why am I still here? I should be out of here. I don't want to do this. I think possibly that's the mentality of those of us in the western world. Talk to some of our brothers and sisters in the eastern world, third world countries that are going through persecution, losing their lives, churches being burnt to the ground. They're experiencing something that we're not experiencing at the present time. But what they are experiencing is God's presence and helping and enabling them to go through these very difficult times. And then Jesus reminds the church, I am coming quickly. I don't know about you, but I say it can't be soon enough. (laughs) Come quickly. But we don't know. We don't know what we might have to go through, but we're guaranteed of the fact That Jesus is going to see us through. He will protect us. He will go with us through that. Noah went through the flood. But he was encased and protected by God. The destruction was all around him. But he had perfect faith in God to preserve him through it. Hold tight to what you have. So that no one take away your crown by leading you to renounce the faith. Here we are. There were those in Laodicea. They didn't know that they had a lack. And Jesus says to them, buy from me what you don't have. The church here, he says, whatever you have, hold it tight. Don't let it go. Don't let go of the Scriptures. Don't let go of your faith in Christ regardless of the circumstances. Hold tight. I encourage every one of us when we're faced with difficulties, hold tight. Don't let go of what you've believed. Don't allow the Satan to come in and discourage and turn you aside. So many turn aside when the going gets tough. But he's encouraging them, keep this in mind. I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. The Lord's Supper that we're going to have this morning is also always a reminder. Do this until I come. He's coming again. He who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He will most certainly never be put out of it. I will make him a pillar. Do you want to be a pillar? Do you want to be one that's able to stand firm? That people know that you've got a good firm foundation under you. That they can lean to you. And they know that it's firm. It's not going to be wavered by whatever wind of doctrine that comes along. We can each be like that. Have that firm foundation in Christ. And he says, I, those that are like this those that overcome, those that are trying to turn you away from me and take you back to law, I'm going to make you a pillar in the temple of my God. You're never going to go out. I will write on that person. Who is the pillar? The name of my God and the name of the city of my God. In the ancient times, they would put a pillar up and people's names would be put on the pillar. This is what he's referring to. And in the tabernacle and the temple, there were the pillars that stood there before you went into the holy place. These were founded in the tabernacle system. The bottom of those pillars were grounded and fastened to sockets of silver, which means redemption. Never forget the fact that you've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. That's going to stand you in good stead. They overcame him, that is Satan, by the blood of the Lamb that blood that redeemed you, I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. Jerusalem means peace. And he's going to do that. The name of the new Jerusalem which descends out of heaven from my God and my own new name which nobody knows. Someday, if you've overcome In a church like this, imagine his new name written. You see, the high priests in the days of the tabernacle and the temple, they had a miter on, and across the front of that was inscribed, Holiness unto the Lord. God's own name. And God's going to give you and I a name. And his new name. How much more blessing. Do you think we can have. Just if we overcome. And stand true to God's word. What a promise. He who has an ear. Let him hear. And heed what the spirit says to the churches. So just as a bit of a review. Laodicea. The Lord says. Buy from me. What you don't have, what you need. Philadelphia, he says, hold on to what you do have. So this church has something, something that's worth keeping. And these are the scriptures on which the Christian faith has been founded. And the evil one is hitting at the foundation of that all the time, trying to destroy it. Don't let them. Don't let them hold on to the word. What a promise we have in a day yet to come. Laodicea, spiritually, they were bankrupt. And materially, they were rich. Philadelphia, spiritually, they had a little power. And this is the only church that Jesus writes to that he doesn't have something negative to say. And this is the church that many would like to espouse to be. Don't let let us assess ourselves. Jesus is the one. And he writes the letter and he says, I know your deeds. He knows everything about us. But he loves us. He loves us to the point that he's promised us something that if we overcome in this this atmosphere of church where you have to toe the line and you've got to keep the law, he's promised that you're going to have something to look forward to. You're going to be a pillar. You're going to have his new name, the name of the city of his God, and my new name. Is it not worth going in for? Really? What a hope we have. I trust that in these days ahead, and we're going through difficult things. I mean, it's hard to see Sim going through this. There's been deaths this week. These are difficult things. And sometimes we're shaken to the foundation. What we really believe. Can we trust God? Is he trustworthy? And Jesus reassures the church here. I am holy, I am true.